Hello and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. My name is Sykes and this is my podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out last week's episode, episode 200. If you're one of the people who listened to that conversation, I hope you enjoyed it and thanks so much for coming back. But for those of you out there who are new to the show, welcome. Please feel free to make yourselves at home and as always... There's beer and soda in the fridge. So, here we are, episode 201. What's up, world? How you been? Doing good? I hope. This past week for me was crazy. It was a nice reminder of how much different shit is going on in Pittsburgh and how, I guess, just how lucky I am to, for whatever reason, be involved in all these different little pockets of things. On Wednesday... I recorded this video that's going to be part of an unannounced video series yet, but I can say that we uh, did it at Skull Records. Shout out to Dusty up at Skull Records. It was uh, this project that First Angel Media is putting together. John from Jake the Hawk is kind of spearheading the project. So we did this thing at Skull Records. Uh, Trevor and Allison from The Long Hunt were filming the project. It was an interview with me and Deb from Lady Beast, if you're familiar with that band. I don't want to say too much more about the project because they haven't announced it yet, but it was really cool to hang out with everybody and be a part of that. I'm really excited you know, to get that out into the world whenever that happens. On Thursday, I was a panelist on this four-part series that Hugh Twyman of Hugh Shows put together just uh getting a bunch of different artists from the Pittsburgh area together to talk about the local music scene and what we think is right and wrong and all, you know, that, that endless conversation. I was on the fourth panel alongside my friend, Clara Kent and two people that I'd never met before, Mags Romero of Prince X and Jordan McLaughlin. I thought it was actually a pretty cool, level-headed conversation. It was really nice to chat with all of them, share my thoughts, take in some of theirs, and I think we had a pretty cool, not heated, nice discussion. As far as I know, Hugh is going to be uploading all of those episodes either this week or next week to YouTube. Whenever that goes up, I'm going to be sharing the links around, so keep an eye out for that. I'm excited to watch the other three episodes that I wasn't involved in and also rewatch some of the stuff that I said. It can be really hard to have a conversation so broad with four other people in like an hour. That's just that's it's so much to unpack. So, you know, hopefully everybody's able to get something out of that after the panel actually went out to the track meet, which is a monthly event held up at the Young Brothers Bar. And that's like the Bellevue area. By um, Reason and Friends is a monthly open cipher for, you know, the hip hop community. They got local producers that are there playing live beats and it's encouraged for, you know, MCs, poets, whatever to come on out and just, you know, freestyle spit some shit on top of the live producers. They had a violin player with them just like freestyling some violin riffs on top of these beats. I was, you know doing my best to freestyle for you know a few hours I've it's not really my forte I love writing I love crafting songs freestyling and emceeing is a 
It's a, it's a whole completely different fucking game, to be completely honest with you. But I had a blast. There's a lot of real talented, fun people to go out to those events. So if you're interested in that, if you're a local hip-hop person, or you just want to go like see like just like some fun shit, because it's just like... Some of the stuff that people just come up with off the top is it's really fucking entertaining. Uh, so even if you don't want to participate, it's a good time. You should definitely check that out. I believe it's the the third Thursday of every month at the Young Brothers Bar. Uh, I, I believe that's right. So check that out. Look up Track Meet on Facebook or something like that. I definitely want to shout them out and reason because it's awesome that that exists for the hip hop community and people that are looking for, you know, a more social hip hop thing to take part of. You know, there aren't a whole lot of options. You got some shows, but there's not really like little get togethers and networking things like track meet. So if you're in the Pittsburgh hip hop scene and you're not going to track meet, you're really missing out. I can't recommend it more than enough. And I hope to see you at a track meet sometime Mm -hmm. on Friday. My friend Cody Cody Jones, who is actually going to be the guest on next week's episode of Start the Beat, had his album release show at The Rock Room. I hadn't been to The Rock Room in a long, long time. It was actually a lot of fun uh, being in the venue. I got to see a lot of people who I hadn't seen in a while. Shout outs to Donovan I Alive from Philly. He played. Swamp Walk played a surprise set. Uh, Dark Money, Momonadon. It was a really good show. Congrats to fucking Cody. And uh, definitely be sure to tune in next week for his episode of Start the Beat. Last night, Grey Walker played at Get Hip Records. It was the first death metal show that we have thrown at Get Hip. And it was a success. We had a lot of people came out. All the bands really brought their A-game. Everything sounded great. Everybody was really cool. And I had a fucking blast. I was, it was, it was one of those nights. It was just like, this is cool. Like I, again, I hadn't saw, I got to see, see a lot of people that I hadn't seen in a while. And it was just this whole, like I said, like this whole week has just been like day after day of just like cool Pittsburgh music stuff. And like, I don't know. Maybe I'm super lucky, but I feel like anybody that says there's like a lack of a scene or people aren't getting along or this or that, like, I don't fucking know. Maybe come hang her out with me and stuff. I mean, that sounds a little egotistical, but everything I've been doing and everything that I've been going to that I'm not even directly involved in has been pretty fucking sweet. So yeah, if you need some suggestions, Hit me up. But if you're listening to this show, you're already in a good place for positivity and light in the uh, in the Pittsburgh music scene. Today is Sunday. We're going to be uploading this on Tuesday. I'm actually uploading this episode late because I'm getting a late start on recording my introduction and everything. We didn't have power in the house for a chunk of the day today. And uh my battery on my camera was dead and I wasn't able to do anything until I could charge it. So, uh, yeah, this will probably be going up on Tuesday and not tomorrow, but that's fine. Uh, obviously because you know, you're here watching it, uh, Sunday though, Sunday morning, continuing the local music thing. My friends, Donnie and Greg of the band Harkin came over bright and early at nine 30 in the morning. We're working on an art project. That's going to be the album artwork for their upcoming album that they have, uh, hired me 
to help them complete. And that's been a really fun project so far. I'm excited to be able to share with you everything we're doing with that. It's going to turn out great. I've already heard the album. I don't think I haven't heard the master. I think I think I've just heard the mixes, but the album's really fucking cool. And uh, if you know anything about Harkin, you should be pretty stoked for this project that they're putting out. And I'm happy to be a part of it in my own little way. Today, the power went out, as I had mentioned, and it was uh, it was the first time ever that I recorded a podcast with absolutely no power, hence the camera being dead when I wanted to record this and everything. Luckily, the camera runs on batteries, and I record all my audio on a device that's battery-powered as well, so we were able to record a podcast today. Shout-outs to Dave Bracey of Drinking Partners Podcast and the Fresh Fest Beer Fest, who was my guest today that came over and sat in a dark room, and we fucking recorded a podcast. Luckily, it was the afternoon, and I opened up the blinds, so I think the video should turn out okay, and the audio will be fine, but... uh. Keep an eye out for that. That's going to be the week after the episode with Cody Jones next week. So two weeks sneak preview or, you know, just spoiler alert. Dave Bracey is going to be back on the show. It'll be he's been on the show before, but this will be the first time that we're sitting down, not in a room full of a bunch of other people and trying to talk. And um, shout outs to Drinking Partners. They've had Gray Walker on. I've been on his Sykes as well. If you're not familiar with Drinking Partners, you should look them up. That's a really awesome podcast. And everything that they're doing with Fresh Fest Beer Fest is fucking tight. Uh, yeah, but more on that in a couple weeks. Let's get back on track with this week's episode. I still got a lot to promote. And then we got to get into my conversation with Brett Shoemaker, which is why I'm sure a lot of you are here. But, you know, thanks for entertaining me and letting me you know, fill you in on my week. Got some shows coming up March 2nd here in Pittsburgh. We're doing a really, really funny video game tournament slash show. It's going to be my band Greywalker versus Arcane Haven. We're having a Marvel versus Capcom 2 tournament live at the show. And the winner, the band winner of the tournament is going to get the headline the show. So just a little something different, bringing together some, you know, video game, nerd culture and heavy metal culture together. Our friends from Of Virtue, who are on tour from Michigan, they're, they're coming through, they're playing, and our buddies and Gator Shakes are playing as well. That's going to be a really cool show. Excuse me, I have like a kind of like a, a gassy burp or something in my chest. We went to the Olive Garden for dinner earlier, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you about the Olive Garden here in a minute. So, you know. Hold, hold your horses. We'll get there, but I'm feeling a little gassy from it. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, so March 2nd, that is the Marvel vs. Capcom 2 Arcane Haven vs. Greywalker tournament. That was supposed to be at the Marquee, which is that new venue in Squirrel Hill. Unfortunately, um, whatever happened with the Marquee, they're not going to be opening up on time, so we had to move the show last minute. It's going to be at the uh, the Allegheny Elks Lodge, which is right over in the north side, right next to the Giant Eagle. Uh, not a traditional venue space, but we've actually done shows there with Grey Walker before, and it's a cool space for shows, even though it's not a traditional space. So yeah, don't let the venue change scare you. We're still doing all the same shit we were going to be doing before. It's going to be a really good time. So that's Saturday, March 2nd. That's this weekend. Come on out to that. 
uh, upcoming Sykes and a New Violence gig. Our next show is going to be on March 16th. That is at Club Cafe alongside Standard Broadcast and Suavity's Mouthpiece, who are previous guests of the show. Really excited to be on that bill. It's cool, short, three-band lineup. It's an early show, too. I think doors open at like 6 or 6.30. We'll be playing early as well because the same night, Greywalker's actually in Youngstown, Ohio at the West Side Bowl, but we're not playing until much later in the night. So basically, it's going to be play the psych set, hang out for a bit, pack up our shit, then driving out to Ohio to play a Greywalker show. But hey, you know, that's the hustle. You got to do what you got to do and you got to take responsibility if you decide you're going to play in multiple bands. Sometimes, you know, you got to, eh, that's just the way it got to go you're just going all over the place. But hey, it's fun. Yeah. Music. Um, I'm trying to get better at doing this and I'm going to do it right now. What that is, is reminding slash asking you people, friends, family, fans of the show to rate and review like and subscribe i feel like such a like a a turd kind of putting that out there but i don't know if all the time you know you understand how much those little actions actually really help in terms of like your uh your social media algorithms and the more people interact with things even if you just comment like fart piss poop butt on all my stuff, the fact that you're commenting makes uh, more attention come to the things because the social media algorithms, be like, oh, people were commenting. This must be important. So they put it in front of more eyeballs, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, if you give any sort of a hoo-ha about what I do, please do that on like whatever format you're listening to this on the show. I mean, I'm on Apple. I'm on Google. I'm on Spotify, YouTube, Facebook whatever stitcher you know whatever platform you're listening to it on if there's an option to like subscribe or leave a comment review leave a rating whatever that all that shit really really helps and uh hey you know i'm trying to do my best here and uh just you know a little call for help i don't ask for much from y'all but if you could do that it would mean the world to me seriously i'm trying my best here i'm trying my best and uh if you leave a comment, you know, just let me know like what you want to see on the show, what I'm doing right, what I'm doing wrong. I'm always taking suggestions for guests or like topics on things. So like anything that you have on your mind, drop it in the comments. And again, like if you know, you just want you don't have, you don't know what you want to say, but you just want to leave a comment, feel free to type in like fart, piss, poop, butt. And that's fine too. Like I fucks with y'all no matter what i appreciate the support uh let's get into some listener questions shall we all right so i haven't asked for any listener questions this week because there was actually some leftover ones from a couple weeks ago and uh you know shout outs to my friend icky vicky she had left a question on a thread and i had said that i was going to make an individual video about the topic because i thought it was pretty cool but i don't know if you've caught it just from the first you know 10 minutes of me talking about my week i've been a little busy so since i have time to do it now i'm just gonna answer this question talk about this thing now here it's not an individual video but here it is so icky vicky asks homage versus style biting 
where is the line? I think the line between the two, homage and style biting, would be defined by the intention of the artist and the scale of the work. For example, like it's not uncommon for songwriters to occasionally reference a phrase from like a film or classic literature or even other songwriters. And, you know, they do that occasionally and you know, maybe it's to uh it works with like the rhythm of a song or it fits in with the topic and it like can help drive a point home or sometimes it's just kind of fun. It could be just like a funny silly reference and it's all it depends on the situation, but I would say like that's usually just paying homage in one way or another. But like if you are like constantly like referencing things that aren't original material and it becomes like a common thread in what you're doing, uh, that could transcend into style biting. But then there's like parody stuff like Weird Al Yankovic, and I would say that's nothing but like homage and parody you know that's not he, he he's not a style biter but there are definitely some people that could be considered style biters but then like that's so subjective and there's so many variables depending on the situation that it's hard to like really answer this question with one definitive like response if you know what i'm saying but i think that like the biggest point personally for me just goes back to the original thing that I said whereas I think it really just depends on the intention of the person putting out the work and like how much of it are they doing like are they continuously putting out stuff that is obviously unoriginal you know like personally for me I think it's pretty easy to tell when somebody is just not being genuine and just being a style biter but at the same time that kind of leads into a more broad conversation of homage and style biting. Like if you think about, for example, in music, styles of music, take a 80s hair metal revivalist bands, right? Like they're obviously paying homage to 80s hair metal. And in some way, a lot of them are also simultaneously being fucking style biters. But if their intent is like, this is just genuinely what they want to do. They genuinely want to be a fucking hair metal band. I don't know if it's necessarily fair to call them style biters in like any sort of a negative way. You know, I mean, in a way, all of us are style biters in our own right. And in a way, all of us are paying homage to things as well with our creativity. It's so hard to have a 100% original thought. So I think that the more important thing to focus on is just the intent and how genuine the the art is, you know, how genuine the person is. Is it coming from the heart or is it coming from some other like malicious, just ill-willed place? I don't know. I'm going to leave my answer at that. If you have anything you want to throw back at me regarding that, I'm more than happy to continue this conversation. And, uh, you know, again, quick shout outs to Icky Vicky. If you ever want to come on the show, I'm going to ask you one day, but if you're watching this and if you ever want to come on, feel free to nag me. I'd love to have you on and let's get into some other questions. John Knoll. Oh boy. What is your most ridiculous poop story? Okay. So, <laughs> uh, at the expense of doing anything, you know, too gross, I'm going to tell a kind of an embarrassing story that I think is kind of funny and is also related to 
DIY music. <laughs> so uh, for those of you that don't know or haven't known me for a whole long time, I used to play in a band called Casanova Sparks way back in 2007, 2008. And it was one of the first bands I was ever in. It was, and uh, especially like first bands that was playing shows. And it was our first show ever. Uh, I had to take a dump at this venue that we were playing and I clogged the toilet. Okay. I clogged the toilet at this venue. And to make matters worse, it was like right before we were about to play. It was like one of those things where like we go on and like, 10 minutes and my stuff was set up and I really had to go to the bathroom. So I just go to the bathroom, try and, you know, just do what, take care of my business quickly so I could go play the set. But I fucking clogged the toilet at this venue and there was, there was nothing I could do. There was no plunger. There was no nothing. It was super fucking embarrassing. I had to like walk outside of the, I had to leave the bathroom, shut the door, tell people, don't go in there. I had to fucking find somebody at the venue and be all like, like, uh, yo, you know, sorry, I fucking, I clogged your toilet. And, uh, I mean, keep in mind, like I said, this was like 2007, 2008. This was well over a decade ago. I was a lot less, uh, social then. I hadn't been playing in, I hadn't been in the local scene for a long time. I, hadn't been uh you know really I was never really good at communicating with people especially back then so I was like very shy super embarrassed and uh I would say that uh I don't know if that's necessarily my most ridiculous poop story but that's at least a uh you know that's a poop story worth sharing sorry about that little cutoff there I just realized that uh I happened to look over at the screen and saw that there was no more memory left on my memory card. The shit was flashing at me. So I had to pull out the memory card, dump some files on the computer. And while I was going through all the files on the memory card, I realized there was a bunch of files from a Greywalker music video that I shot that I uploaded this week and I forgot to tell you about. So yeah, I directed a video for my band Greywalker for the song Gold Lust. You could check that out now. It's on our Facebook page and YouTube. And uh, give it a look. And uh, shout-outs to my girlfriend, Stacy, who is in the video and was a huge help with that. She even filmed some of the stuff for it. Uh, the shots of me yelling in the microphone, because I obviously couldn't film that myself. She did that as well, so shout-outs to her. She's a team player, ride or die, for real, for real. <laughs> and uh, let's get into this last question, all right? Let me look here on the pad, see where we're at. Um, all right, Caleb asks who's worse you two or creed easy creed and i'm gonna tell you why this is funny because i feel like this is a conversation i've actually had a few times over like the past couple months for some reason you two keeps getting brought up in my life i don't know why maybe they put out some new music or something or did something to annoy people recently so people were talking about them but they're there's a large chunk of people that seems that are like completely unaware of 1980s era U2 and how fucking dope they were. They put out like at least three or four really solid fucking records in the 80s that are really great post-punk transitioned into like pop rock records. And if you are, you know, a fan of that kind of stuff, chances are you probably already know about old U2 
and you know you already know what the fuck i'm talking about but if you don't i highly suggest fucking go on spotify make a a zero dollar investment just take a little bit of time all the music's there fucking check out boy check out october check out war check out the, the joshua tree come on these are fucking classic records even rattle and hum is not a bad album okay there's uh the unforgettable fire which is it's, it's a little forgettable but it's not a bad album either like that entire 80s era of u2 is really fucking good solid pop rock slash the early stuff's kind of post-punk but it's also just like pop rock but it's fucking tight killer songs timeless songs okay versus creed like they fucking put out what four albums and their discography i don't know that i actually just checked on spotify before answering this question i don't have i'm not like a a wealth of creed knowledge but even only two of those fucking albums were ones that anybody like even kind of cared about and that would have been the first two which which, you know like uh i created my own prison and then the fucking with arms wide open bullshit i don't know like i think that you're probably asking me that question a little bit ironically and maybe i'm answering it a little bit too seriously but the u2 thing has popped up a few times i thought it was a little silly so i do want to put it out there okay if you're a fan of like 80s pop rock post-punk and you've for whatever reason somehow escaped 80s era u2 go back and give it a shot try it out okay it's fucking tight i think it's tight but also i grew up around that stuff so maybe i have some sort of like a nostalgic bone in my body for them or something i'm not too sure so yeah that's it for listener questions i think i have said everything that i need to say i don't think that my guest this week needs any introduction but if you are not familiar with brett shoemaker or don't let the scene go down on me or the mr roboto project well then you're gonna learn you're gonna learn about it right here right now today on start the beat with sykes that's the closest thing to like hard-hitting is that hard-hitting journalism you're gonna learn about it today yeah so okay fuck it sit back relax and let's start the motherfucking beat oh wait i just realized i never told y'all about olive garden you want to hear about olive garden real quick i went to olive garden day with stacy and it was pretty tight I'm an Olive Garden apologist. I think Olive Garden is fine. I mean, obviously, it's not the best food in the world, but, you know, it's a good time if you're into having, like, a corny little date night with somebody or just maybe hanging out with some friends and getting all carved up. I highly recommend the Olive Garden. There's a bunch of them all over the place, and it's kind of cheap, and you get a bunch of food. So, yeah, that was fun. Anyways... Let's talk to Brett. Sit back, relax, and let's start the motherfucking beat! Check, check, check. You gotta be so... <laughs> check. It's working. Cool. Everything's on. So this is... A nice occasion. It's been a while mm-hmm. since me and you have sat down and talked. It's good to be uh, able to talk to somebody that I don't need notes for. Right. <laughs> been chatting with a lot of new people lately, which is cool. Yeah. Uh, two of which I need to thank you for introducing me to. No problem. Be Chelsea Marie, Sad Girls Aquatics Club. They were yep. just on the show a couple weeks ago. Well, I think it was like 
yeah, that was about two weeks ago now. And that was through recommendation of you. I don't know if that album would have came across my plate as soon as it did if it wasn't for you. It's so good. It's insane, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> really, really, really awesome. Yeah. And I'm glad that things are start. I'm starting to hear a lot more people talking about them now. I think mm-hmm. uh, releasing the music video and all that has helped. Right. You know, I'm uh, promotional things. <laughs> yeah. Really excited for them to start playing live. Same. Yeah. I think that's going to be tight. <laughs> so for anybody that isn't familiar with Brett or don't let the scene go down on me and the various other things you are affiliated with. <laughs> let's uh let's start from the beginning and then we'll just chat about fucking whatever. All right. Go. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um well, I run Don't the Scene Go Down on Me. Uh, I book shows around town through that. I um also am affiliated with the Mr. Roboto project, a little DIY venue celebrating 20 years this year. Yeah. And uh I also run a Facebook page called Music in Pittsburgh where I just post the shows that are happening that day every day. And uh, I think that's it. <laughs> I think I listed everything. Well, that's a lot. <laughs> there may be a few things, but each of those things entail a lot of activity. Mm-hmm. You know, promoting shows as actively as you do and as long as you have been in Pittsburgh is just enough Enough said there. There's a lot of people that do it for a couple years and decide it's too much for them yep. or whatever. And it's you're still in it. <laughs> for some reason. No, I love it, though. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. It's a lot of work. Um, you have to genuinely love it to still be doing it. Yes. <laughs> a lot Definitely. Of, a lot of the time when I'm talking with people about how to, I don't know, get into recording music or start a podcast or do whatever, you know, and they're asking about things they need. I always tell them the first thing you need is an actual drive to want to do it. Yep. Without that, don't even bother buying mm. anything or put, you know, if you don't have the the passion for it, that's the most important thing you need. Yeah. The rest will fall into place. Yeah, it takes a lot of motivation to get it done. With the shows that you've been doing now over the past couple of years, you were on the show a couple of years ago. I don't mm. remember what episode number it was, but how have things changed in the past couple of years for you in promoting? Um I think that I think the thing that's changed the most for me is that I'm getting a lot more show offers. Sure, I, I uh, there's a lot more coming down the down the email shoot. Uh, um, I think I'm always learning. I'm always growing with it. It's always totally. All so the time. let's start here as a a band in general or an out of town band. Hitting up promoters mm-hmm. in new cities, do's and don'ts. What attracts you to book a band that you've never heard of in the midst of all of these emails that you probably get weekly? <sighs> That's a good question. I feel like a lot, um, a lot of the, if it's like, recommended from somebody else that helps a lot if it's like someone that i know has like recommends a band to me that helps a lot i feel a lot of the times these days i book bands that i already know sure like um, you might happen to get an email or or somebody just hits you up that you've worked with before yeah yeah um and i also but i also i do lots of research i'm always 
checking out what's the new band like what's so like i've heard of a lot of the bands that are contacting me sure so it's like doesn't happen that often these days that i get a band that i'm just like i've never heard of this band well, i know uh, i know that i've seen you post from time to time you've gotten some kind of wild offers from unexpected yes. acts yeah. that have reached um, out the i don't a few years ago i know i got one that like it said it was like members of jethro toll <laughs> and then it was they listed they were like, we were wondering if you had these dates available. And then it literally listed like a hundred dates. It's <laughs> just like, and I just didn't respond. I was just like, I don't sure, know. That's a little, that's one. a little I crazy. Just, right. Yeah. Um, but I don't get those as much anymore either. I think, um, my name is starting to get a little re- recognized out there a little bit, like through like agents passing my name along and things like that. And, um, that's another thing that's changed. I work with a lot more booking agents, <laughs> sure instead of just like drummers that also book shows (laughs) right um and uh those agents probably have like a roster of bands as well too so you kind of become like the pittsburgh contact right yeah there are a few agents that like i'm their guy like they go to me every time Mm -hmm. um yeah like like five agents that are just like constantly sending me things now i know that like talking about money in the DIY community can be a little taboo but right. you know with this becoming more of a a steady thing you're starting to work with people that are a little bit more established has mm. like the brand become a little bit more profitable is it easier to do this on a steadier route or is it still kind of like the DIY grind I mean it's definitely I definitely I make money now which a little bit yeah. sometimes <laughs> Whereas before I was either not making any money or losing money. Um, and it was like several years of that. Sure. Um, I am starting to make a little bit of money. And a lot of that is um, in working with agents, I've gotten better at negotiating with contracts. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and that makes so sense. Like, I'll like kind of work myself into the contract and be like, I can I get this much at least? <laughs> like, Yeah, no, I um, think that's, that's totally worth it. There's so much time that goes into yeah. doing these things mm-hmm. and it's kind of a thankless job right. a lot of times. It's like, it always blows my mind when bands talk about like, oh, like, you know, like oh, the promoter's taking all the money and it's like, I don't know, maybe some are, but in some circumstances you shouldn't always shit on the promoter because right. they're doing a shit ton of work for you. Yeah. You got to work together and everybody can make a little bit of money. Exactly. Everyone works together. Everyone can get paid. Yeah. uh, The local band's got to promote like the the promoter has to put up physical flyers and like invite people to the events and like do all kinds of different social media things. Like like, and there's a a transparency that 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 there needs to be also if you're talking with booking like touring bands and letting them know about the spaces that they're going to be playing if they're not familiar Mm -hmm. you know especially working with a space like Roboto that might not have all of the like amenities that a band might not be a band may be used to yeah you know i feel a lot of bands are refreshed by that like when they come to Roboto and they're like oh this isn't like anything we've played (laughs) sure at um, the rest of the store and like it's cool like we're into it yeah and, and then, a lot of bands are like oh, we wish we had something like this back in our town totally and then on the flip i mean like i i feel like i've been to shows there with bands that didn't seem to be too happy at all about the situation that and that's like it sucks so <laughs> yeah. bad when that happens because it's like there's still a room full of kids here yeah. that are coming to see you mm-hmm. don't ruin it by being a right. turd yeah please like you could be a turd 
when everybody leaves. <laughs> yeah. But don't do it during the show. That doesn't happen as often, but it does happen occasionally. Yeah, I can think of one circumstance when it happened, and it really bummed me out. I can think of one, too, but I'm not going to name names. Yeah, I'm not going to, either. Uh, but, you know, with... Like, even... I'm just thinking now, because we're setting up a show for a band that's out of town, and we're dealing mm-hmm. with their manager, and they're setting up the show. Right. And they're, like... As the show's coming too closer, they're being a little bit more, I don't want to say aggressive, but being a little bit more like somewhat paranoid about like getting paid and they want this much money. It's like, look, we're going to take care of you. We're going to take care of you. But it's so funny because like they're worried about like, are we giving the other local bands tickets to sell? Are we pushing to get people there? And like we have them in a space where we can fit like 200 people. Originally, they wanted to play Black Forge. Yeah. And it's like, did you even do research into that place? Like you could fit yeah. 30 people in there. Yeah. Nothing against it, but it's like if it's we would have if we yeah. wouldn't have went out of our way to find you a bigger space, you know, it's like we did that because we're trying to do this. So why are you giving us grief? Right, yeah. It's but I think a lot of the times people just don't even touring agents I think could do that research, but they don't because they're probably yeah. they have like a whole list of dates they're trying to fill. So it's yeah. good for you to be like, "Look, this is what you're getting into." Are you sure you want to do this? Right. And uh, the uh, like the four or five agents that I work with regularly, they know what they're getting with me. Yeah, that they makes know, sense now at this point. Yeah, they know that most of the shows I book at are at Roboto. So they know what Roboto is. And like, so that's that's pretty nice. Um, <laughs> uh, and then, you know, I, I try to branch out from Roboto if I feel like it'll do better in a different space. Yeah, I know. I know I've seen you like do uh collaborative promotional efforts to right. do stuff at bigger venues mm-hmm. uh i guess or just different things where uh maybe there might need to be like there's like a bigger financial uh uh i don't know the word i'm looking for like the event costs more money so maybe right. it helps <laughs> to like partner up with another promoter and kind of yeah go in on it together so everybody wins right and um yeah it's uh and i love to collaborate if it works out um I have also collaborated with people and it didn't work out that great. Sure. Well, <laughs> you know, it it's, happens. Yeah. It's but um, uh, the, the yin and yang of life. Yeah. Right. You can't have the good without the bad. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, sometimes you work well with others. Sometimes you don't. Um, but, yeah, it's. Uh, yeah. Picking a venue. It's um, like I book some shows like some shows are going to work better at like Rock Room than they are going to work. Sure. At <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't know. Because everybody deserves to make money yeah. doing this. Everyone deserves to get paid. I think, and I think that's a conversation that needs to be happening more within DIY. Right. I mentioned before, money always seemed kind of taboo. Yeah. And I think that that mindset really held me back a lot, especially in my first few years in the community. Right. Thinking that I shouldn't charge, you know, too much for a t-shirt or charge yeah. too much for a show and whatnot, you know? Right. I definitely charge more for tickets than i used to because everyone deserves to get paid <laughs> like you know I, I try to make sure everyone gets paid at least something totally and i um, think and then there are some uh bands in the diy scene who won't accept money they'll like make me give it to the touring band yeah i mean that's cool if that's if yeah. that's your thing yeah. absolutely i remember that came up when i did the 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 three-year anniversary for uh the podcast yeah and I, I was on that panel, and I mentioned that, and I remember some other people on the panel like could not believe that that's a thing that happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's just it's a very different mindset when it comes to different like 
genres of music mm-hmm. like people coming up in like the hip-hop community they're they kind of expect to throw money at a lot of things you know they're throwing yeah. money at production studio time beats it's not even common or like always looked down upon to actually pay for time slots on shows yeah in some aspects of the rap community whereas like you know in punk or rock like that's yeah completely fucking absurd right pay to play is very looked down upon (laughs) yeah but even like pay to play in the rock spectrum i look at it most like a ticket-based structure i always Mm -hmm. look at that as like a promote to play not necessarily a pay to play depends on the structure of it yeah i mean some of it is pay to play and then some of it is sell tickets and then I, I think when it when like the promoter makes them pay for the tickets they didn't sell, I think that is unacceptable. Sure. But I don't think it's wrong for a band to be given tickets to sell, you know. No. And especially if they're gonna get a little bit of a cut from it. Right. There's been times when Greywalker has played shows where we we sell tickets, we get two or three bucks a ticket. And I know for a fact that we sold so many tickets, we've made we made more off our ticket sales than some of the guarantees for the bands. Yeah, just because I mean it's our market. We're right. here, you know, yeah. and that's that's why you ask locals to play your shows. Yeah, because technically they're supposed to get people in the door. Right, and I think a lot of times local bands forget that responsibility. Yeah, when opening up for bands on tour, you know, like if you're in this metal band and your favorite you know, one of your favorite metal bands that you can't believe you're opening up for is coming through town. They're not asking for local support out of the kindness of their heart. They need more people in the door. Right. And they're asking you to assume you're assuming that responsibility by taking the slot. Yeah. You know, they're there's, it's a very rare circumstance that they're going to be hanging out in the crowd, see your band and be like, you guys are tight. Come on tour with us. You know what I mean? They're probably right. not even going to watch you guys. They I don't saw that happen once though. Oh yeah. It was amazing. Sick. <laughs> I was at a show in Richmond and I was seeing, it was uh bomb the music industry and uh Rick Johnson, rock and roll machine. And this guy opened up, he was like a solo, like one man band. He had like, you know, like playing drums and guitar at the same time kind of thing yeah. going on. And they liked him so much, they literally asked him to come with him on tour at the end of the show, and he went with them. And then <laughs> um, Jeff from uh, Bond the Music Industry, Jeff Rosenstock, yeah. ended up putting out his record. Well, I mean, but it's people, very rare that people like <laughs> Jeff Rosenstock are rare fucking souls in this, this world. Is true. I I uh, <laughs> I look up to Jeff Rosenstock a lot. Yeah, <laughs> it makes no like as soon as you said it was Bond Bond the Music Industry was on the show, I was like, well, yeah. fucking of course, you <laughs> it know, would be I, him. yeah, you know, like that's a. That's a different thing, but there needs to be more people like that. Yeah. And the only way that you get to be in that oper- only way you really get to be that kind of person is by giving other people the opportunities around you and like mm-hmm. uh, making sure the scene around you grows right. in some way. And I think that's a thing going back to the money discussion where, you know, it's like, oh, if we're charging a little bit more at the door, you do understand that's just going back into this. You know what I mean? That's like not going into some like nebulous fund of like targets net income or like right, yeah. Aldi or whatever. You know what I mean? It's going back into this venue mm-hmm. so we could keep having shows here. It's going back into your pocket so you can at least be financially incentivized to keep promoting shows. So right. people, bands continue to have a place to come and grow. And if you're paying a little bit more for a t-shirt, like that's money that's going to feed that band put gas in their tank or 
help them just keep the ship going. Yeah, it's all going to the support of the artist. Yeah. In theory, hopefully. <laughs> in my, in my uh, I mean, I do it that way, but I don't know. I can't speak for every promoter. Well, no, it's, it's always different, but I think that's a thing to just take that extra time to know like the people that you're getting involved with when you're deciding to be a part of your right. scene. And I, I stopped doing uh, $5 shows. I cut that out of what I do. Sure. What's it's, like your standard base price for a, a show now? I mean, it depends on the band. Um, I have been doing a lot of $10 shows. Or, uh, but I'll do like seven or eight, depending on, you know, sure. uh, how dude. popular the band is, if they played there before. And like those couple extra dollars, it's not a whole lot to do. Yeah. Like, it like, makes like a, a difference. Two, like two extra bucks out of my pocket isn't a big deal, but yeah. two extra bucks out of 50 people's pockets, that's an extra a hundred right. bucks for the band. But people will still complain. Of course <laughs> they will. And it sucks. Yeah. I feel like. Less you know, so now. I feel like it's starting. Now people are realizing like, oh, like. Most shows are becoming this well, now. That, yeah, over time it becomes normalized. And yeah. I also think over time, eventually everybody ends up in a band and then yeah. they have to deal with this and they learn. You yeah. know, some people say that everybody should have a service industry job so they can understand empathy for other people in the industry mm-hmm. when they're like going out and eating or just learning how to be patient with others. Mm-hmm. I feel like anybody that wants to be an active part of the DIY scene should like have been in a band or promoted a show at some right. point in time before they like try to talk any shit on how things run (laughs) like it really uh boils boils my piss whenever uh you get people in bands that complain about the way promoters handle things that i know for a fact have never tried to promote a show themselves they have no fucking idea how much time goes into it it Mm. seems so fucking simple to them it's like you show up late you play you leave early and then you (laughs) complain about fucking everything yeah (laughs) you know yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, we've been harping on a lot of skeptical things and negative things. Let's 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 dig into some positive things. All right. So, with outside of Roboto, what have how have you seen the DIY scene grow in the past couple years? It seems like there's a lot. Like the house show thing is happening again. The house and, show circuit is booming. Right yeah. Now. <laughs> And uh, it seems like people have it under control to some degree. It doesn't yeah. seem like it's been. Right. I know like the bubble kind of burst real quick on several spots yeah. back in like like 2015 or 16, whenever like a lot of the Oakland stuff was going yeah. on. And I, I think a lot of people learned from that experience. Like, yeah, there was like it was like a six month period where just like house venues were just dropping like the uh, cops were coming to break up shows. Yeah. And, like, threatening, you know, Um but uh, a lot of the spots that came back were in those same houses, just different people. Yeah. And they learned from the people before, <laughs> like, what not to do, basically. Totally. Um, but, yeah, everyone is uh, a lot smarter about it now. And, like, the places are are lasting longer. And um, I know some of them are about to get – the people are moving out and they're, like, choosing who to pass it on to, basically. They're, like – like meticulously picking a person yeah, that they that's know important. will do a good job with it. And we got I mean, Ormsby's back on the horizon. Ormsby's coming back. That's pretty fucking <laughs> sweet, huh? Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited to hopefully get the chance to play that room again in some capacity with yeah. one of my projects. Probably Sykes. I don't know if it's like a, a gray... I mean, it's so strange. Like, I feel like 
I've kind of shot myself in the foot with the projects that I'm involved in, in terms of like what I feel we need to like properly do like a show presentation, like with Grey Walker. It's like, it's like big and heavy and things need to be big and loud. And it makes it so awkward for us to play a space like Roboto or something like that. And it's like, I know like on several circumstances on the show, like I've been talking with people and I've kind of been like, yeah, about like Roboto and it's mm-hmm. not like anything that's very like personal or attacking. It's right. just, it's so much like for me and what I do, it's like, it's just not a good space for me, but yeah. this, the places where we play probably aren't really good spaces for the bands that play Roboto. So it's good yeah. that everybody has, everyone their, has their, their, space. their places to start out. You yeah. know, I have those, I had a really funny conversation with the guys from full of hell once about bands that are starting out and like, if you are like an aspiring indie rock band, you know, you have your places like Roboto and things right. like that. But like, say you're genuinely a band that wants to be the next Nickelback, yeah. but on a DIY level, like how do you start out right. being that's... like a stadium rock band? If that's genuinely <laughs> what you want to do. That's true. Yeah. I mean, like throwing all personal feelings about that type of music out the window. There are people that really that are passionate about being a rock band. Sure. Yeah. Where the fuck do they start? That's a good question. <laughs> you know, I, like, there's no like, I mean, I guess like bars. I don't yeah. know. Like, I mean, at Roboto, we we book a lot of different kinds of acts, but like for the most part, you're you're indie rock. You're like you know the that kind of DIY genre. <laughs> sure, um, works really well there. And then like hardcore shows do really well there, uh, but those are like the two <laughs> genres that do really well there. Um, and uh, I don't know where someone like a a mini Nickelback would play. <laughs> yeah, it's. I guess like I mean, I, I imagine that there has to be some sort of a circuit for them in some sort of a place. Yeah. It just seems like it's an entirely different world to come up in. I imagine. Yeah, I I know nothing about that world. I feel like there's some people that probably think it's totally crazy. I was chatting with um, Brandon Musser was in town over the holidays, and we just hung out and we were talking about shit. And we were talking about back when divorce was playing a lot of shows and touring and stuff how his partner's dad thought it was like real cool that they were in a band and like touring a lot and they but they had a completely different understanding of what it was yeah. you know what i mean so it's like they're just in basements all the time and right. things like that but mm-hmm. there's a lot of people i know sometimes that like say like a, a family that comes out to their kid's first show and it's at like Roboto. Yeah. I'm sure you've seen a lot of times where people are like, oh, like this is oh, what yeah. this is. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah, because a lot of a lot of young bands are playing at Roboto right now. And like I see their parents come and they're just like looking around like, <laughs> like not expecting that at all. Yeah. The kids are super into it. Uh-huh. They're like excited about it. And then the parents come around. They come around to it. Like we used to we get less complaints than we used to. <laughs> really? What were you getting complaints about? Um, the. They, we would get complaints from parents about all kinds of things, about like, oh, uh, like they want their they want their little child's show to, to oh, go perfect. Yeah, you know? they so want like, it to be can, like, can you turn the vocals up? Can yeah. you? And like other things you have no control over, like right. can you turn the drums up and like yeah. that kind of stuff? Sure, totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I think uh, that happens less now. I I feel like we we've really been putting work into Roboto what we can. You know, uh, it's not we pretty much make enough money to pay our rent and our bills, but like occasionally we'll get like 
um, an influx of shows that do really well. So we're like, oh, let's buy a new four monitor. Totally. Or, or whatever. Or like we get things donated to us too. Yeah. Th- this this may be a um this this is a, a spicy topic. Okay. But not not too spicy. <laughs> I think I think you can handle mild. It. I'm just curious if this is anything that's ever been brought up, and I don't know like the legality of the issues, and I understand why it's not a thing. But okay. um, Roboto being a like a sober space. Yeah. Um, have you ever like thought about like, do you think if it was not a sober space or if on select events, mm-hmm. if you were able to do like, oh, like BYOBs, cool things like that, do you yeah. think that would drive traffic? Do you think alcohol is a factor with people coming to shows or not going to shows? Or do you think that like the Roboto crowd's kind of younger and not quite there yet? Um, <clears throat> well, I wonder how long. I wonder if Roboto would have lasted 20 years now if it hadn't been a sober space. Sure. That's a good point. Uh, coming from DIY roots. It's just... Um, it's hard for problems to happen there. Yeah. It's hard for problems to happen. It's... Uh, it's it. I think it's a good... I, I think it's good to, for it to be sober because it's good for like the younger kids to have a place to start out going to shows. Totally. Um, uh, I've said many times that if we're gonna cultivate like a music scene here, we gotta start with the with the kids. And, yeah, uh, yeah. So I think it's youth cool. drives the culture. Yeah. So I think it's cool for them to have a space just for that. Not to say that like I've heard old like older people say they're uncomfortable at Roboto. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I've said it before on the yeah. podcast, <laughs> but it's like it's nothing against anybody in the space. It's mm-hmm. just like it's just something where. I just feel like in my uncomfort sometimes at Roboto really doesn't have to do with the fact that I don't have a drink. I mean, I'm barely drinking now anyways. Yeah. Um, it's, I think it's just more of a, I know that like, I'm happy that this scene exists and mm-hmm. like everybody there has this place, but I just know that it's like not 100% for me. Right. So, but it's like, I go to shows there and stuff but like for me like playing shows there it's just not exactly like it doesn't have the amenities that i need to have a show that i feel like comfortable playing well i mean like uh no venue is for everyone yeah i mean like you know rock room's not for everyone robotos not for everyone but yeah you were making a point though about older people saying that they were uncomfortable at roboto yeah um and I know that like it sucks because like that's a big another reason like in full transparency why yeah. it's hard for Grey Walker to play shows there. Well, it's because the- like our people come out and they want to fucking drink. The last time we played there, I had to yell at half my friends because they were like bringing stuff in. I was like, yeah. you don't fucking get it. <laughs> and I looked yeah. like a turd. Yeah. But it's like you know I'm not gonna be like oh it's cool you know what right. I mean I'm re- I'm very I very much like respect the space and the rules yeah. put in place by the people that put all their time into running it. Yeah, that's but definitely it, a th- like. I mean, people are always like, oh, why can't we drink at Roboto? And I'm like, well, you know, the reasons I've said. Uh-huh. But um, I think somebody needs to pony up the money, get one of those buildings that's on the same block and open up Robarto. I like that. <laughs> Put it in where like Toros <laughs> used to be. Sure. <laughs> and then, you know, if anybody wants to have a drink, they can yeah. go do it over there. Right. I mean, I always send people to Mixtape, which yeah. is like down the street. Mm-hmm. But uh. I don't know. I mean, like, I've always, like, if I go to a show at a bar, I'm going to drink. But, like, uh, it's not, 
for me, it's never been like the thing that I go there for. You know, I go there for the music, but I understand that it's like I think it's it's a different vibe when you you're know? dealing with people who are a little older and they're going out. It's like it's their night out. Yeah. So it's like true. on top of like going to see a band play, they also want to be able to like have a drink and you know what I mean. Like they want yeah. exp- they want to cram as much into one space as possible. Absolutely. So. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, like Roboto is our demographic is a younger crowd, and a lot of that I think is because we don't allow alcohol. <laughs> is there but, ever a circumstance when, like, say you mentioned before, like a show working better at Rock Room and, than Roboto? Is it like a circumstance when you know that, like, oh, this band probably has a bunch of fans that are drinkers? We should do this. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's so like I always think of like what the fan base is, and if it's like the fan base is people that are going to drink, let's all right, we got to have it a place where there's a bar. Yeah. Um. I have a show coming up in May that I know their fans are drinkers. Like uh, it's uh, Bad Cop, Bad Cop. Okay, they were just on that. They were on that um that Punk and Drublick yeah. tour last summer. So it's like I know their fans are drinkers. That whole thing was set around <laughs> alcohol. Yeah, <laughs> but um they wanted it to be an all ages show. So like I had to you know find oh. a place that could accommodate all ages and drinking so where are you doing it uh, i'm doing it at the fun house okay cool uh, which i haven't had a lot of experience there i think it'll it'll be cool though i'm i'm excited to, to the fun house out. is a good room i think for the 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 i guess i can only speak on behalf of like what i've dealt with them but like mm-hmm. the the prices that they've charged for like room and sound and I mean, they're always staffed really well. Yeah. They have a, a full bar. They have food on days when, like, the theater's open, too. Right. So you have that restaurant. All that stuff's in one space, which yeah. is cool because if you're getting people to go out to fucking Millville, at least they don't have to leave once they're in the building. Like, they can right. get decent food. They have, like, there's vegetarian, vegan, yeah. norm- all the options across the board. It's a great space. I think the, the difficulty that place has is that it's in Millville and public transportation to get there is very difficult sure i mean Um, yeah i mean if you as long as you can get downtown you got uh what the one or the uh what is that other there's another bus that goes in the into millvale a little deeper because the one will kind of just drop you off on the end right and then there's one that actually goes into millvale through through the back i I don't remember which bus that is um in bloomfield and i usually just walk because it's easier oh really (laughs) yeah it's just like (laughs) it's like a 45 minute walk it's not that bad no yeah i think it seems like it's crazy but like i don't think a lot of people realize how close to like lawrenceville millville is it's right across the bridge it's right across the bridge and nobody realizes (laughs) because they might be so used to going like all the way around Mm -hmm. through the city when i was growing up i always thought millville was so much further outside the city yeah because i had a friend that i had one friend that had a car and the way that he would go to millville was fucking bananas i don't know why he would go the way that he would go but he would basically (laughs) like go out like towards mcknight road and then take that millville exit like down on the babcock and then go through the back roads (laughs) which is so out of the way yeah but i guess that's just the way that he knew and this was i mean Mm -hmm. i'm old you're you're pretty old too right we're both old so (laughs) like this was before everybody had like google on their phone telling them the best way to go Mm -hmm. so you kind of learn a way to get somewhere and that's how you go yeah so getting into being old 
<laughs> and being in the scene, you know, I kind of mentioned how sometimes like I feel uncomfortable at shows just as a result of mm-hmm. being older. I feel sometimes that like Roboto isn't the space for me just for a very reasons, varied yeah. reasons. Um, house shows definitely. I don't feel like I think I feel more uncomfortable anywhere than at a house show. Okay. I don't know why. I just feel the last house show I played, I was definitely the oldest person there. Yeah. And I was definitely around people that had either just gotten old enough to drink or were definitely not old enough to drink. Right. <laughs> and it's just kind of like a situation where it's like, why am I here? Okay. You know, like maybe that's just me. I was going to yeah. ask you how you feel about that or is it not so much an issue for you? Um, It's not, I don't think it's that much of an issue for me. Like I, like if I go, uh, if I'm at a show at Roboto and, I'm the oldest person there. Like, I think that's cool. I think it's cool that the younger crowd is coming to shows. <laughs> like, I, I, um, I think there was a time where that wasn't happening as much. And sure, I was, it made me nervous. <laughs> I, I, I also think too, honestly. Now, as I'm trying to analyze it now that I, like the words came out of my mouth, like yeah. why don't I feel comfortable here? Uh-huh. I'm like trying to figure out why, and I think a big part of the reason. Why is maybe because I don't know a lot of those people either. So it might it's not true. even have yeah. anything to do with the space. It's just like, oh, like I feel a little disconnected because I'm kind of like a, je- a generation separated right. from a lot of these people. And I also don't know any of them. Yeah. So I think that's what might be kind of awkward too about like being in like a house show, which is sometimes almost like a party. Right. And yeah. I'm the obviously older dude and I don't even know anybody. You know, yeah. I just kind of got asked to play. Yeah. <laughs> so now I'm just kind of like rapping in a basement to a bunch of kids that are 10 years younger than me. Yeah. And I don't know any of them and I feel kind of weird. Well, um, and it's kind of like, I feel like a little stranger too about like sparking up conversation too. I'm also like a lot more socially awkward than people might realize. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think same. I just have, I have a hard time like, Intro, like getting into like just conversations with people that I don't know. I need right. to have that that like that mutual friend to kind of like bridge yeah. the gap. It, it takes a while for me too, and I I am in a weird situation where I get recognized. Okay, <laughs> so like people know who I am, but I have no idea who they yeah, are. Yeah, <laughs> that's that has happened to me too. That's like kind of a weird thing, but like um, I don't know. Like I tried to when I'm putting a lineup together, like I tried to book bands that are going to draw different crowds in hopes that people will make new friends and yeah. create a bigger scene than just like pockets of scenes. I'm the same way whenever I put shows together. Yeah. Like recently, as far as psych stuff goes and with gray Walker as well. Um, but I'll stick with Sykes. I kind of like have accepted the fact that there really isn't a scene for me and what yeah. we do. Exactly. And that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. It just means that I need to create this. I need to create the bubble right, for us to exist within. And I, then hopefully that will start to overlap with the other bubbles. Yeah. You know? Well, I feel like you, um, Sykes is in a, a unique, it's a unique position to where like you can play with a lot of different things. Totally. Like you can play with punk shows. You can play on punk shows. You can play on hip hop shows. Like, But the 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 unique problem of that though is like if people know who I am yeah. and I'm friends with the bands then it makes sense okay but if it's strangers it doesn't make sense i okay. feel like you kind of need to like see the show and like know us a bit to understand sure. like oh they can fit in anywhere yeah. but just on paper it's kind of like well there might be punk bands that maybe don't hit me up cuz they think i don't want to play with punk bands right 
And there might be rappers that never hit us up because they think they're like, oh, we're just playing with rock bands all the time. Yeah. But the joke's on both of you. We're not playing with anybody ever because <laughs> nobody's asking us. Yeah. So we just started like putting together our own things. And I'm going to try to. I have noticed that. I've noticed that you have been like putting your own shows together. For yeah. Them. And it's just um, I'm going to start like trying to um, book to get book some shows that I'm not playing either. Just trying yeah. to like stir the pot a bit more not trying to like take over any sort of sure. thing it just seems like in terms of like hip-hop focused promotions mm -hmm. like the ball is just kind of laying there like yeah. somebody needs to pick up and shoot you yeah. know what i mean it's just laying in the court so i'll dribble a little bit see what happens yeah maybe some other people want to come play and then that'd yeah, be tight. and then with gray walker there's a definitely a metal scene for us to exist in but it's been a, a complicated situation where like we don't want to play with old grumpy dudes <laughs> yeah and there's a, a definitely a, a good subsect of the metal community that are just grumpy old dudes yeah that like for whatever reason seem to have forgotten what the concept of fun is <laughs> right and like we're goofballs like we take yeah. what we do seriously but like we're doing this because we want to have fun yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if Greywalker, it's like, I'm the youngest person in Greywalker. Okay. Which is funny. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, some like some people have children and crazy jobs and all these lives. Like, so if we're taking time out of our lives to do this thing, we want to make sure we're having a good fucking time. And we want the people we're around to have a good time and the bands we're playing with to have a good time. So as a result, we have been actually booking some more stuff ourselves, too, because yeah. it's just been hard to find those people. But we've found some right um and it's it's cool i saw that uh that marvel versus capcom yeah thing. that's <laughs> i like that concept a lot i think that's cool thanks man that was a, a fun just trying to think of just different reasons to come out to shows and bring different people together absolutely you know there's a lot of people that love heavy metal and like video games but they might only go to a metal show when like fucking mastodons in town yeah <laughs> come check out the local bands and mm -hmm. stuff so yeah, I, um... that's an interesting thing too. Sorry, I don't mean to cut oh, you off no. again. Go ahead. And I'm my brain is just fucking going off right now. <laughs> it's another thing with like metal. I don't think it's like the DIY world of metal mm -hmm. isn't as big of a community as like DIY punk or indie rock, where like it's known for to go to like oh go to local shows uh those bands are going to be the next big things you want right. to see them a lot of the time with metal it seems like nobody gives a fuck about a band until they're already on the yeah. the big stage you don't really see any like metal house shows yeah it doesn't ha i mean it happens but it's not a thing like punk house shows are or yeah. indie rock or anything i mean i guess it's because technically it's a lot more complicated metal shows tend to be louder yeah but i mean like you see hardcore house shows and things like True. that so i mean nitpicking the fine line between metal and hardcore I mean, yeah to me it's all the same to yeah. a lot of people it's not you know yeah. a lot of people belong to the churches of hardcore the church of metal right. to me they bleed together it's all it's it's <laughs> it's loud guitars and yelling yeah. like on a very fundamental stripped down yeah. level it's like, the same thing i really think if if gray walker could get on some of the roboto hardcore shows i think it would go over really well yeah uh, i don't know we played a couple <laughs> roboto hardcore shows yeah and we're just not hardcore enough. Like we just don't really yeah. match that aesthetic. This is me showing that I <laughs> that, that they all bleed together. To me. Uh, I mean, <laughs> it's. I mean, there are people that, that dig it, and then yeah. there's. But like, yeah, it's just it's a different it's a different world. I yeah. don't know what it is. You know what I mean? It's uh, the best thing I could probably think of is like a uh, pop punk and crust punk. Yeah. 
Like it's, <laughs> you know, maybe to some people it's all the same, but right. you know, there's a you know, there's a lot of. Oh yeah, there's a lot of. I'm more more familiar with that. <laughs> so that's that's kind of what you're dealing with when yeah. you're dealing with hardcore and metal. It's a, some a similar thing. Yeah, that's fair. With bands, you mentioned curating shows, bringing bands together from different pockets that you think will you know draw a bigger crowd and mm-hmm. i got into my spiel but i had a question i wanted to ask you okay in terms of all of these house shows and venues and bands that play in different places every weekend do you think that that's like the scene shooting itself in the foot a bit like when the scene forgive me for using this term but when the scene kind of neglects to police itself mm-hmm. and like allowing like Saying like, hey, you're playing too much. Why don't you let some of these other bands play or give other bands an opportunity to play? Because I feel like there are some bands that maybe are playing very constantly and it creates these little bubbles that are just all... It's almost like very like a masturbatory sort of echo chamber of a little scene thing, you know, like... And then it's like, why not let that grow? But it seems like some of those bubbles don't ever seem to let other people in. Do you notice that or am I crazy? I think... uh fans are becoming a little more conscious of that. Like I um, have had bands turn me down when I asked for a show because they're like, Oh, we're playing a show like the next week or something that didn't used to happen. It used to be like, people would just say yes. Totally. <laughs> but um, I, I, so I think people are, are, are realizing that. Um, and then I had, sometimes I have to put my foot down. I, uh, I had a, uh, recently someone asked to play a show and then I saw that they were, playing a show like two days before that so i said no <laughs> i was just yeah. like like you're already playing this sh- other show um but um i mean for me when i'm putting a lineup together if i want to ask a band to play i look to see if they're playing other shows around that time already mm-hmm. uh first um it is something that is on my mind uh i don't understand why it's not on more people's minds like it yeah well, like I think it's becoming more apparent. Um, like, we'll get people to ask us to play shows, and it's like, why don't you check our concert calendar first? Because yeah. I hate having to say no to you because yeah. we're playing a show the week mm-hmm. before. Or like I've seen bands will tell me will turn me down because they're like, oh, well, we've been we're going to take some time off to write new songs. Like we've been playing the same songs over and over again, and uh, and I, that is becoming more uh, uh, more common yeah. as well. Um, I do. I think. I think bands are, in the Pittsburgh scene, are becoming smarter about that. Uh, newer bands that are coming up, um, not they learn it quickly, uh, quicker. I think. Um. Um. I lost my train of thought on that. Sure, <laughs> it's. <laughs> But, well, I mean, but yeah, I think bands are, are getting smarter. Okay, that that's cool because when we're going back into that whole um, discussion of the Pittsburgh music ecosystem, yeah, ooh, and some of a lot of the things that I was hearing people complain about, who are supposed active members in the local music scene, right? Is it like, oh, we don't have enough venues we don't have enough of this or that and right. i feel like we have too much of everything and if yeah. anything that's the problem <laughs> yeah i mean there's a ton of bands there's a ton of places to play right. but i guess it depends like maybe the person that said that's in the nickelback wannabe band right they're in their and then maybe there bubble. isn't there isn't a pocket for them 
I also, um, and I preach this all the time that shows should be four bands max, like with three bands. Uh, you would hate Michigan. <laughs> well, the thing is, <laughs> my my thing is that if you put more bands on it, like, like I book a lot of shows in a like a month, sometimes several a week. Like if I instead of having five bands on one show, I could have uh, like two touring band package, a, a local band, and then save those other two local bands for two other shows. I th- it helps spread that out. I think that putting I'm totally with you. I yeah. just want to say I am all about the three band show. Mm-hmm. Four bands if you have to, but three right. is perfect. I'll, I I'll typically only do more than that if it's like um like the show that i threw at the moose it was it was all hip-hop acts yeah so if it's an easy changeover and shorter sets i'll do more than three acts but if it's bands man like you really like you know three to three to four death four max for sure and if you're doing that like you got to organize some sort of a shared backline yeah cooperate you know (laughs) what i mean make it work because i think that bands forget what they're doing the show for i think a lot of the times they're thinking about themselves yeah and they're forgetting that people are coming to the show to be entertained mm-hmm. they want to have a good time so you gotta be able to play and change over quick so the next fucking band can do their thing and people can stay entertained and that people leave saying that they had a good time so the next time there's a show they come back and they bring people yep but like if you give everybody this miserably long experience <laughs> of like a 10 band show. There's a right. lot of people who aren't even going to come because they don't want to deal with that. Yep. It's counterproductive. I'm definitely lo- less likely to go to a show if I see there's more than uh, four bands. A lot of the time, yeah. I have a three band show. I will tell people when I'm promoting the show, but like, look, we got three bands. It's going to start this time. It's not going to run late. Yeah. You know, like this is how it's going to go. Right. And you'll have time to do whatever you want before or whatever you want after because we're going to end early, you know, just being transparent with people especially people that aren't music people yeah which are technically the people we need to target the most those are the people we need coming to shows not people that are in other bands already right like people (laughs) that are just genuine fans yeah that's another thing that i think gets overlooked a lot you got to figure out how to make these shows more accommodating for them they're gonna want to come out and then keep coming back you want repeat customers right i hate yeah don't want to call people customers but yeah when speaking in terms of like this diy thing as a business right that's technically what they are yeah absolutely so yeah (laughs) three to four band shows yeah absolutely heck Uh, yeah also less bands there's more money to spread around (laughs) totally easier to pay everyone (laughs) which is another yeah, that's another important thing to mm-hmm. to keep in mind, because I don't think that more people isn't gonna more bands isn't gonna get more people in the door. It's just it's more people just I don't know trying to get their partners in right. for free because they carried a guitar case or something yeah. like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially um, if you add more bands and those bands have the same draw. Yeah, <laughs> like, you're not really helping yourself. Yeah. So you know, wrapping up here, we're about to hit an hour soon. Is there Anything that you're seeing, that, any problems that you think should be tackled or addressed that come to mind immediately or anything that you've been doing just with yourself as a promoter? Um, because I want to I want to get this out before you answer that question. Okay. I think that a big problem with this music ecosystem project that I keep referencing for no reason or <laughs> people with attitudes in general, they keep on thinking about like, oh, like this city 
needs to be represented. Like we need to put Pittsburgh on the map. We need to do this and that. It's like, why not just as I've heard somebody say this before, why not just tend to the garden that you can touch? Yeah. Worry about yourself and the things around you. Focus on that. Like I feel like the DIY scene is a neighborhood, right? Right. Everybody should just be focused on making their houses the best, safest, coolest places ever. You know, I I worry about my house. You worry about your house. Somebody else worries about theirs. All of a sudden, we got a cool street of houses. And then people from the other street are like, whoa, those people on that street are doing something cool. Then another street. Then all of a sudden, you have a whole neighborhood of individual houses. And then people want to come move into that neighborhood. You get the metaphor I'm saying here? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, like, I think that instead of worrying about putting Pittsburgh on the map, blah, 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 just I don't think there's enough people, like, focused on themselves. So my question rephrasing is what are you and like don't let the scene and you know your whole brett as a persona doing you think to just like focus on yourself and your brand like is there anything in particular that you're trying to work on like what do you think is important here um no i think you're right i think uh, everyone needs to focus on their own house but uh but uh, also like you know reach out to other houses <laughs> like well totally yeah uh, like, like um yeah like more more collaboration more you want to hang out with your neighbors, you yeah, know, don't absolutely. be, yeah. talk to your neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't be a shut in. <laughs> no. Yeah. Totally. Uh, but, um, yeah, I think, uh, a lot of, a lot of times people will book a show and they're like, oh, I'm just going to put my friends on it and that's cool. And that's a good time. Uh, but if you're trying to, uh, expand, that's not really helpful. <laughs> no, no. It's again, it's just kind of, um, and I don't think that necessarily, it's always done with malicious intent. No, absolutely I, not. I think that people just don't either think about it or they don't have the the resources to reach out to other people. Yeah. Or maybe they're nervous. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not uncommon yeah. for people like us to not be the most social people. Or yeah, no, that's true. Be worried about reaching out to strangers. Like, oh, like, you know, I bet so-and-so wouldn't even want to play a show with me or right. something <laughs> like that. But I think that a lot of time we forget that we're all human and we mm-hmm. all if you're feeling some sort of way there's a good chance that other people are feeling exactly the same way yeah it's about that like understanding and empathy of others i think even outside of diy music just like a general life rule right <laughs> i think that's a really really important thing um but that's a whole nother can of worms that we're not gonna open up today so we'll gonna... save it for my my fourth time on yeah the absolutely i <laughs> Thank you for coming back. Absolutely. It was good chatting and catching up. Uh, Anytime. This will be up. Let me think of the the date here so I could see. I can let you know the exact date it's going up. Sure. So if there's anything that you want to uh, promote or and or drop, this will be going up February 25th. February 25th. So it's next week. Next Monday. Uh, anything in the next week? <laughs> <laughs> Any shows coming up? Well, uh, after the 25th, March 1st, uh, we have the Shin Guards record release show at, at Roboto. Killer. Um, that'll be a lot of fun. They did a cool thing where their their record is heavier this time around. So they asked me to book heavier bands that they had not played with before. That's killer. That's cool. We got Lansbury on the show. Uh, we got a band from Philly called. Um, oh, my God, I'm blanking on the name right now. <laughs> Yarrow. Okay. <laughs> and uh and then they also added um two spoken word artists on it. So it's like a cool I think that'll be a really cool thing. Yeah, that's happening on March first. Awesome. Cool. Well thanks.
one more time for coming over. Yeah, and, absolutely. you know, if you, for whatever fucking reason, are listening to this conversation still and you're not tuned into, you know, what Brett is doing with his promotion company or like the Roboto scene and those types of things. And if you're like, oh, shit, like I had no idea this was going on. Look into it. Where's a good place that people can find out about shows? Uh, well, there's a Facebook page for the Mr. Roboto Project. There's a Facebook page for Don't the Scene Go Down on Me. Um, there's also both are on Twitter. Um, but those are there's also Roboto has uh, a website too, robotoproject.com. Cool. Um, and that's it. That's I'll it. do my outro later. <laughs> Thanks for coming over, man. <laughs> and uh, we're done. And that is all, folks. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Shout outs to Brett. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, it's you know I think we said it during the the episode at some point in time, but I think it's like the third or fourth time he may have been on the show. So hey, you know support Brett and everything that you know they're doing with. Don't let the scene go down on me, Mr. Roboto Project, music in Pittsburgh. Uh, Brett's a, you know, he's a, he's a fucking team player. So, yeah, yeah, I I don't know. I like, I like Brett and I like you and I like Pittsburgh music and I like myself and I still have gas burpee shit from that fucking Olive Garden. So, you know, as much as I'm, I may be an apologist for the Olive Garden, I have to say, you know. It might, it might fuck you up just a little bit. I'm kind of feeling it right now. But uh, regardless of that, I'm still here alive and kicking, doing the thing. And I'll be back again next week with another episode. Same time, same place, same channel. You know the drill. My name is Sykes. Start the beat. 2019. Woo! Woo! Thanks for listening. Peace.